Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, this is Trevor from Halifax calling in to say that I support creative control on Patreon because I think long-form arts journalism is a crucial part of music culture and there's simply not enough of it out there today. Vish is a master interviewer, he lands great guests, and he has his finger on the pulse of the ever-changing music landscape both here in Canada and abroad. For all of these reasons and many more, I think you should support Creative Control on Patreon too. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol today. I'm Visha's wife, and I will love him no matter what you do. And now he has me on the record saying that. White is a gifted visual artist, multi-instrumentalist, producer, songwriter, and singer currently based in rural Ontario. Originally from Moncton, New Brunswick, White co-founded the powerful and influential rock band Eric's Trip, later formed Elevator to Hell, aka Elevator Through Hell and Elevator, and he wrote, arranged, and sang songs for The Unintended, a supergroup that also featured the Sadies and Greg Keeler of Blue Rodeo. After releasing a trilogy of records as Rick White album on Blue Fog Records between 2005 and 2009, White seemed to disappear from public performance and music making, tending instead to an incredible audio and video archive and dispatching such things onto the internet from out in the country. But in the spring of 2019, White reemerged with a collaborative album called The Opening with the musician Ein Sof which he put out on Blue Fog Records, which he he now co-runs with his partner, Brian Taylor. And later that fall of 2019, Rick assembled a deluxe vinyl reissue of The Unintended's brilliant 2003 album. Now, Rick did me the rare treat of inviting me out to his home in southern Ontario for a chat about his life and times, the music he's made with Eric's trip, Elevator to Hell, The Unintended, and On His Own, his new obsession with building amazing remote-control trucks, 
and the popularity of his brilliantly constructed models, why he might be back, his future plans, and more. A part of the E1 Podcast Network with the support of listeners like you who subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash Control. Plus in-kind support from CFRU 93.3 FM, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. This is the 500th episode of Creative Control, featuring one of my earliest musical heroes and first interview subjects, Rick White, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. How's it going? Hello. How are you? I'm well. It's nice to be here. Where in the world are we exactly? I mean, <laughs> where, what we, how, where are we? What is this Just place? A nice country oasis that I was lucky to find <laughs> find myself in. Like, uh, I don't know, how long ago? Probably 15 years ago or so now. It's beautiful. It's yeah. lovely. I mean, you before this, were you in Toronto? Well, I lived in Toronto with Tara in 2000. Yeah. Like we did in the late 2000 because we ran out of... Uh, money to live down in the east you know so tara could get work in toronto i just followed her up here okay and um after we split apart i went home for a little while but i had met brian while we were up here and we started our little record label there together and blue fog yeah 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 and yeah. um and then he bought this house and i we i came out here helping him to move once and uh we just kind of worked out that i got to live here <laughs> that's beautiful yeah I just, uh, I know this might seem self-conscious on my part, but is there any chance that you moved out to such a remote location to get away from me specifically? I just want to make sure that that's not the case. Uh, no, okay, but I really, I really didn't enjoy living, uh, besides meeting good people down in Toronto, I didn't like living on Queen Street there too much. Yeah. It's just so, we went from having our whole our own house in Moncton with a studio and everything in it to having to share a little apartment with like six of us. Was Dallas good of the Sadies among the people you lived with at some point? Yeah, yeah. When we first moved there, it was him and uh, Amanda's girlfriend and yeah. Greg Keeler and Kate, Kate Boothman. They all live there? Yeah. <laughs> but they weren't there very often, so. This house sounds like it might have been the, the birthplace of your band, The Unintended, because you mentioned Dallas and Gr- Greg. Were, yeah. Yeah. Is that where that started? Yeah, for sure. Because uh, when Dallas, we, we first we started working on uh, Darkness Light together, the elevator record, um, just because we were living together and hanging out all the time, you know. And then we had the idea of making a folk rock album, kind of more like Simon and Garfunkel mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of stuff, mm-hmm. which is not what the unintended ended up sounding like too much. But uh, it was the start of it for sure, because Greg would always be around, and and he offered us, you know, to come out at his house yeah. and record. Yeah, yeah. So it was just a lot of demos I had written after Darkness Light, because Darkness Light kind of was half and half. You know, it was half the heavy early stuff, and then side two was kind of more kind of more like what the unintended um, ended up sounding yeah. like. You know, like a little more light and acoustic kind of. Is it true? I think, you know, I, I follow you on social media as much as you're sort of away from uh, whatever <laughs> the music biz out here. Yeah. I think I read that maybe there's an un- unintended reissue. Is that what you're working on? Yeah, yeah. We finally are putting it out on vinyl. Like, That's amazing. Yeah. Any any day now we're supposed to get the copies in finally. We were going to do a double, but then we decided to just keep it like the way it was and to put a digital version with a lot more of the extra stuff. There's extra stuff. Well, it's, it's only, there's one outtake from the album itself that we didn't put on the album because it was kind of wasn't working out as well. Uh-huh. 
And then there's a few demos that Dallas and I did in the apartment and uh, the Lightfoot covers we did. Yeah, with the constant yeah. dance, like the split. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then a few live songs. So there's about 21 oh. songs now all together, like so that are going to be on like a Bandcamp kind of version of the album. But we put one of the demos on the vinyl too. Okay. So that's that's coming out any time now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's a nice demo Dallas and I did in the apartment one night. Is just it, the two guitars. Is it a demo of a song we've heard? Like is no, it, it's an. Uh, I don't think it's ever come out anywhere. It's another love song is the song. It's a, it's oh. A, okay. Yeah, it was a good. I think we were. It didn't make the first album, so we we were thinking of writing for a second album, which I have a lot of demos for, which ended up being on my first Rick White album. Oh, okay. That's kind of a lot of those are demos for a potential second unintended record right okay. <laughs> that never came so for those who don't who are listening who don't know the unintended <laughs> was sorry i i were you know i'll yeah, explain yeah, things for sure unintended was the sadies and you and greg keeler from blue rodeo yeah and when you say that you did this demo i know you're a multi-instrumentalist as is dallas did you play drums and everything on this demo or was uh, it no the, the the demo is just two guitars kind of in a vocal okay. and me singing right but i i did do you know demos for the whole unintended record by myself before which was kind of nice working with the Sadies because they were so professional and so used to working with like other artists like yeah. Nico Case and that I just gave them demos like Mike and Sean would just learn learn them right Very off the quickly, demo yeah. and then we could we were laying them down pretty quick. You you I mean you're we're we're kind of it's fine we're bouncing all over the place temporarily maybe <laughs> a little bit but that's fine I feel like you do that a little bit too in your work to be honest I don't know what era things are from maybe yeah I'm a little uh, nervous that I was gonna keep focused good today because my brain's a little all over the place oh these no days. you're you're doing you, just fine you'll yeah. keep on track i'll try to keep us on track and and focus on things but i was going to say that you have a long uh history with the sadies uh you've done artwork for them you've written songs for them on their last album they wrote a song that is a letter to you oh yeah right they miss you <laughs> i know yeah it was strange here and i felt like god i've, I've become like that mysterious Sid Barrett character you know they're writing about like oh he's like you know a hermit some, and I guess I realized I was <laughs> when I first heard it I was sort of shocked but then I was like oh. did you hear it when it came out like on yeah, the I album is Dal that the first time you Dal heard Dal it sent me a version I think of the song just to say like is this okay you know you're doing this and and uh, you know I was I was you know it's flattering in a way but also like I said it seems like what have I become yeah. Well, I was thinking about the last time I believe that I saw you perform, and I think it was the Blue Fog Recordings Review yeah. at Lee's Palace in 2010. Is that the last time you really played? Yeah, I think I might have did a couple little solo shows. Like I, th I remember playing with Julie at a restaurant there when she had a little residency in Toronto. In Toronto, yeah. Yeah, I, th I think that might have been 2012. Okay. But I think that was the last time... The last time I recorded anything was when I was working on Julie's um, So Many Days album. It was just me and her out here. Yeah. And I did all, she did guitar and voice and I did the band sort of. Right, right, right. As, and, you, uh, as you do. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the last time I recorded really anything. I kind of gave it up. Uh, I think I was finding making music too um, gray, kind of like it didn't have any definitive, I don't know, I wanted to create something that was a little more... I don't know. I started making like those model trucks. I don't know if anyone's seen my headquake. You make model trucks? <laughs> I didn't know I, that. I scratch build these RC trucks and I made a YouTube channel because I filmed them going through the woods. Oh. I don't know. I just, I got into this weird, I felt like I was a kid again, you know, I was getting so much pleasure hmm. in just carving these wooden, I was making them out of wood. 
I mean, there's plenty of, as we're we're sitting on your deck here, your back deck, and there's plenty of wood. There's lots of yeah. trees and foliage. So oh, fuck, I got whole <laughs> trails made in the woods. There really, with like little, they look like little miniature truck trails. Really? Yeah. Oh, I want to see that before. I'll show you okay, after, yeah. okay, cool. That's great. <laughs> but anyway, I ended up getting like, I think I have 150,000 followers on my YouTube channel now. Like I'm. Hundred times more famous <laughs> for RC trucks, <laughs> remote control trucks, than I am for uh, music. Uh, well, I feel badly that I, you know, you're a hard guy to keep track of. You do a lot. I mean, even in your, as I we've described, a kind of hermit-like state, which yeah. maybe we can address a bit further in a moment. Right. But like, I keep up with your social media and stuff for the most part. I didn't know about this RC trucks thing. <laughs> it's surprising. I know I kept it sort of separate for quite a while. Right, but you you are kind of tending to. I'd say your personal musical archives, like we mentioned the unintended record and you just put out a record with Einsoft that I hope we'll talk about yeah. too, but you are busy, right? Like you're, well, you're, yeah, I, I mean, you're I'm busy a, in the background, so to speak. I spent a lot of time, you know, going through in the last couple of years, going through my old um, dat tapes, all my masters from the nineties and just finding all this stuff that I'm still as proud of as I ever was, you know, like I, I never, I'm not the type to look back on my, old music and go oh cringe you know like yeah 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 I, I still love i still think it's all great and I, I i find the more awkward it is i get i like it more now you know the more <laughs> it reminds me of something that could be embarrassing almost but you're kind of like it's very intriguing to hear the old music and uh and i started that band camp site just to put out all this old stuff and, yeah. and remaster it again and try to get it sounding better yeah I, it's fun. We, you and I have done a, a few interviews over the years. I don't yeah. know if we've done it. I think we have. Yeah, I think we, so, yeah. we've done a fair number. And uh, you've said some things to me uh, in those interviews that have really stuck with me. To be honest, I think about them almost all the time. Uh, we had a pretty good Eric Strip one, I think. Yeah, we did. We did that. That I did a pretty comprehensive. Uh, what was it? An Exclaim Magazine timeline thing. Yeah, yeah. So in some ways, I may ask you just for people who don't know much about you. I may ask you questions I already know the answers to on some level. But sure, yeah. all that said, one of the things you said to me, which I found intriguing, particularly in this day and age, is you said you think that bands and musicians should learn to do everything themselves not just oh, play right. their yeah i yeah. just think that i think about it all the time you were like i think bands should know how to record themselves i think bands should do their own artwork they should really take ownership over everything which is what you do and not everyone has your talent and skill <laughs> i will say that but well, i just think it's nice to hear it though like if you heard a yeah. band's first record it would be you know, they'd learn as they went. It it's public kind of, learning. It would we, make sense. <laughs> yeah, we learn in public. Yeah. yeah. I just think that's pretty profound because we live in an age in 2019, as we're speaking, where people tend to just make a thing at their house and put it up. Like yeah. they just, they have the ability to upload whatever their instinctual idea is. And even like we're doing a podcast right now. I feel like there's a lot more appreciation for unmediated, less professional sort of I don't mean yeah. to say that this doesn't sound professional or whatever it's going <laughs> to sound great Rick <laughs> but I mean this kind of unfiltered like direct yeah, I love that I think people yeah. they're uh, people are making albums in their house and it's not costing them anything you yeah know? you can like you don't have to save money you don't have to borrow money or start these you know you can you can make an album at home on your laptop for free you can put it on Bandcamp or something and it's all just up to you to sort of somehow promote it yeah which I think and, and that's why I, I sort of have controversial opinions about digital music, you know, like files. And yeah, how, yeah, yeah. I think really people shouldn't worry about charging so much money for their digital files because it's like that should be more just a way to, you, know, you should feel glad that 
in this world of so much stuff out there that someone's even wanting to listen to your music. Right, yeah. And then, you know, if you tour, go on tour and play shows. That's where you get make money, you know? Ideally, yeah. Sell T-shirts, you know, make vinyl. But the the file itself, it's like, I, th- I just like to have it out there, like, you know, hear it. I hope people hear it. <laughs> Do you think that the way we consume sort of media now has anything to do with the way lo-fi sort of culture I, I think hmm. of for me lo-fi culture really had a uh, I mean I came of age in the 90s as you may know like I yeah. remember seeing Eric's trip at the volcano in Kitchener Ontario and being like blown away but I mean I'd read about it and all that and stuff. and it seemed so shocking to everyone at the time that we recorded on a four track yeah and, and we yeah. actually had a record that was getting press you know yeah and, yeah you but know. everything about what was going on then seems to have come to the fore now like we the videos we share mm-hmm. are people on their phones like just rickety it's sort yeah. of rickety it's digital so it's got a kind of oh, a man I wish I had the ability to to make video stuff like back in the 90s that we can now you know yeah god i in the in the 90s we used to make videos we had a a little cheap video camera we used and um i had two old vcrs and we used to like just to try to get crossfades and stuff yeah. we used to have to film off the tv you know and, <laughs> and i just wished so much i had like some sort of machine that i could crossfade video and make cool <laughs> videos and now it's just so easy it is easy yeah, but i it's great I, I think of people like you as being something like ahead of your time like i think that stuff going on in the 90s is how we kind of consume like the yeah the kind of it it's it's not totally slick it's raw on a level mm-hmm. like i've you know and i think of love Terra and some of those early eric's trip albums there's a rawness to it that seems to really resonate with how people make and consume things today do you have any yeah, thoughts on that maybe that maybe um because uh, look because I, I find it's when i watch documentaries now about people talking about the past they have such a different view on than your original view you know back then oh yeah well it's just like I, I probably didn't think of it the same when i was young i was just we were trying to it's like how can we do this for you know just ourselves and just right. we just would figure it out at the time but looking back now, I maybe I can analyze it a lot more. But when I made the Eric Strip documentary, the movie, I remember people were like, "Why aren't you going to interview everybody?" You know, and talk about stuff. And and I really just wanted to put the footage, the original footage, yeah. and the music, and just to more have it like, this is the way it was. You know, like we're not going to talk about how we think it was. We're just going to show the way it, what I it was. Kind of, you know. I see. That's interesting. Like the years go by, you get you change, but yeah, that's I mean, going to alter your memory of yeah. We if, the Eric, an Eric Strip documentary with with me, Julie, and Chris and Mark all thinking about what it was. You know, like re- reflecting, reflecting. Yeah. yeah, it wouldn't be the same as just someone watching the original footage and hearing the music and just making their own story up. You know, because because we were just young and passionate and dramatic. You know, everything was so. <laughs> You know, all we wrote about was like love songs still back then. Did you, know, you feel we were teenagers? Did you feel dramatic at the time? Like I was listening to uh, Love Terra, and I think famously, is it? Bl- it must be Blinded. Blinded. Julie's got this very raw vocal on Blinded, oh, yeah. where she screams at one point and it peaks. Like it, yeah. it just, it's overwhelming. It's like an overdriven. There's a live version of that too in the, in the documentary. I was saying where she just goes off and starts screaming so hard yeah. Mark claims he lost hearing that night at that just from her screaming yeah because his monitor you know his drum yeah, monitor was yeah. too loud and she would start I think yeah. it was just a release for Julie for the first time in her life too you know like she all of a sudden she was in this noisy band you know and she was a very shy young little teenage girl yeah, yeah, yeah. and then she was you know she could like let let loose now and uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. I think the recording of that, I seem to remember, she was sort of mad or something a bit at something because yeah. I was trying to get her to <laughs> to do something <laughs> like just try to you know get, get into it and so she just totally let loose on that take and it was like it's rageful yeah so you as a young like I know you're just talking about reflecting and, and, <laughs> and maybe how it's I don't not. mind doing it for this <laughs> but when you think back you mentioned Simon and Garfunkel earlier when mm. we were talking about the un- unintended I know that folk music like that maybe Gordon Lightfoot as well yeah was pretty and Neil Young those things were pretty key to you when you were starting out right yeah well because all through my teenage years I was into like you know what's my peers more like listening hardcore, to hardcore punk yeah dinosaur and you know all up through the late 80s and early 90s even we were listening to our contemporaries you know like our mobility valentines and stuff mm-hmm. and it was probably around 93 or so when i started smoking pot you know and stuff that we started you know buying old vinyl for cheap at the record store right. all of a sudden we were getting high and we were listening to the beatles and mm-hmm. the, and the, for the first time almost you know cuz you're hearing these records that you remember from when you were a little kid, but you're hearing them again with new uh, new ears, yeah. you know, and you're and it's like all of a sudden all this stereo production and and the electric prunes and you know the CCR records like yeah. stuff was just blowing our minds more, and then we totally stopped listening to all our contemporaries <laughs> and like by the Forever Again album, the second Eric Strip yep. record, that's kind of why it sounds the way it does. It's like we're trying to almost emulate a a Beatles recording, like yeah. you know more get more into the recording which 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 kind of made us sound nothing like our live show anymore because it was like i got the mentality of like well live should be this forceful thing you know but our records we should create these neat little landscapes you know these kind of neat things so forever again i think was more like that and so were a lot of the elevator records right were you a are you are you were you a white album person in particular <laughs> i do yeah that's one of my favorite probably is that the best beatles like for you is mm. that i know that i hate this i can't answer these i like revolver a lot i like the white album oh, a lot. For sure. when i think of eric's trip and the way the records unfolded almost without a flow <laughs> yeah. without a flow i kind of think of the white album more than anything else because that was a really up like every, that record is so much of a collage yeah, that's true yeah and they were all kind of doing their own thing yes I think by Forever Again, it was getting a little bit like that. We're extra, we're up to Love Terra. People think of Love Terra as the first album. Right. It was actually, kind of, we did all these cassettes before. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But I, it was always me, you know, I was like doing everything and mm-hmm. writing even the songs for Julie to sing and stuff. But mm-hmm. by Forever Again, we started more, I was more like going, well, what do you have, Chris? Like, let's put one of your, some of your songs on and some of your Julie's songs. And, yeah. And so that became a little white album-y more. But so by purple blue, we just wanted to make sort of a live record on with purple blue. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just trying to get at your aesthetic generally, your approach to it, because right. you you were in a hardcore punk band. Yeah. What, what was it called with Mike yeah. Foystack? The Underdogs. The Underdogs. Yeah. And how did that come about? How did you decide to enter the world of hardcore <laughs> punk? Because I, I only will frame this as such because you're a Beatles fan, you're a Simon and Garfunkel fan. When you're a kid. That stuff seems like on another level. They don't even seem well, like human beings. Whereas hardcore and punk, very accessible. Like yeah. you, you can, you feel like you can try and do that. Is that well, they, the music I like now, I think that reminds me. Like I mostly only listen to my old playlists of sixties and seventies music that I love, because it just it's more of a soothes me mentally. You know, it brings me back to like the music I remember when I was uh, a little kid. Because mm-hmm. my mom always had the uh, oldies radio on in the kitchen. You know. 
So my first memories of music are all like doo-wop and 50s and right. 60s stuff. So that was like, the, the, that's that stuff is accessible. That stuff is yeah. is not going to be as unsettling as what, on some level, even your popular songs have a, they're a little askew <laughs> in terms <laughs> right. of contemporary culture. Like, you know, like. But I always, but I always have, unlike some people, I always have that pop element to my songwriting. Yeah. My yeah. structures. Yeah. Because it's always like, I want it to be short. I want it to be kind of peppy. Yeah. I wanted to have like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and not go too long, you know. So I think I got that from listening to all that old, you know, '60s pop music. And but stuff. the noise is from punk. Yeah, because when I hit the '80s, all of a sudden I was like buying circus magazines and thinking yeah. heavy metal was really cool. And I started growing my hair <laughs> and uh, got a leather jacket, you know. And I was listening to Iron Maiden and metal stuff. But then once I heard hardcore for the first time, it was like, oh fuck this metal stuff, like. <laughs> this is where it is like this is just fast and it's not as macho you know it's like like dead kennedys and stuff i always thought of it and we just wanted to go fast 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 and i think that that held over to eric's trip and stuff because we still were fast and noisy you know we still had a hardcore element even though it was julie and i singing like neil young comes a time type of yeah lyric yeah <laughs> over top of this noisy you know noise and hardcore type of sound beneath it a bit when i think of the dead kennedys i'm always sort of drawn to the reverb of it Mm -hmm. like there's a real rubberiness to that it could have been a really straight dry kind of recording but it's really rubbery eric's trip has this sort of like you you get into if you're listening to an eric's trip record or a rick white album whatever it is you enter a different sort of aesthetic universe i feel like the sound (laughs) of it it's part of the song I feel like like the sounds you kind of captured and how you capture them yeah, yeah. is that fair yeah well I, yeah I try to kind of just create this I don't know like a soothing type of thing to me what I what I like to hear hmm. yeah I'm, that's a weird question because like where does your taste and what you want to make your music sound like come from really. yeah yeah I mean on some level it always sounded like you were doing the best you could with the resources available to you like yeah, when people it was like that for a lot of years yeah sure. when people were when the records were framed as four track recordings people were like well that's what it, that's what a four track recording <laughs> sounds like but you also did but I remember stuff. interviews where people would ask me like do you do that on purpose and I would say like well it's all we have right now yeah and we want them to do it ourselves. right and we slowly worked our way up like to getting a quarter inch eight track and then we got a half inch eight track right so where does that impulse uh, i want to get at that a little bit like uh, and i tried to earlier but where does that impulse to do everything yourself that was my original my original point was you said this thing that i sticks with me all the time and i i've never how bands should everyone should kind of learn how to do not learn but just yeah because you see even pure self-expression yes yes i wish people would just film a video of themselves you know on their phone instead of some videos you watch of a band you go oh, i want to see their new video and they're not in it and it was made by someone else right right <laughs> right, like, right. Well, how does this give me anything it's a film it's like a f- detached yeah, someone film. else's film that your music's in the background of but you know. so where does that impulse come from for you do you think to it's not a, like on some level and i'm not accusing you of anything <laughs> but on some level it's a certain level of control like yeah. you have a control impulse to be like i I'm managing all of all aspects of what I'm doing, which is great. Like I don't think that's I don't mean it alienates you though from the um, the music community kind of like because it because everyone's built up this thing where they all work together. You know, there's studios, there's promoters, agents, agents. There's like mastering people. Yeah, and if you don't use any of that, they soon like ah, they don't want anything to do with you really because you're like 
you're not willing to be a part of the gang, the team. And we got that from Sub Pop when we were on Sub Pop too. Like they wanted us to be a part of the Sub Pop gang, you know, and do everything. And we were like, ah, we just want to make our own records and stay in Canada, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were like, well, you have to tour and do all this, you know. You have to be do if we if we want to give put our input in, like you know, if we're going to give you money, you have to work with sure. us. Sure. But we were always bad at working with people, so we would lose. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Jonathan Poneman on one one of our visits. He's like, so are you, like he would have kept us. He really liked us, and yeah. he would have kept us for a long time. But he was like, I just I was getting to a point where I hated touring, and I was getting really anxiety in the states. Yeah, and so he, I didn't want to do this big new tour. They said, and he was like, well, you know, so we'll part ways, you know, or like yeah. So we just kind of came to a mutual decision that we wouldn't be on Sub Pop anymore because this was after Forever. No, this was after. Um, uh, oh, the air, elevator, yeah. Yeah. Vague, oh, vague. elevator records were on Sub Pop as well. That's yeah, right. We yeah. did. I think it was Vague Premonition we were working on, and they wanted to do a. They got us a studio, big studio. You know, we did it at at a Chemical in Toronto. Right. Right. Because we were willing to try to you know give them a more professional sounding record for the last record, but when it came down to not wanting to tour and do anything, we they just kind of helped us get the record out. But we knew before it even came out we were going to be not with them anymore well I remember going to the purple blue tour stop in Kitchener because I grew up in Cambridge right. and I, I'm trying to remember was it possible that we already knew that was going to be the last tour like is it possible fans knew that that was it or did you guys announce it after I can't remember uh, when Eric Strip broke up yeah well I think we we had a tour booked in the states for two weeks in the spring of 96 yeah kind of infamous and then we had a big Canada wide like a cross Canada tour booked as well yeah in the summer and uh, when I broke up with the band halfway through the tour in the states Julie was just like well, that's it I don't want to do the right. Canadian shows either because I was willing to go back home and still do the Canada tour I just didn't want to be in the states anymore oh which so, started my oh, dislike of going down the states have you been there when's the last time you were in the United States no I was never down there again until I think uh a few years ago, I got talked into crossing from Vancouver down when we did one of those Eric Strip reunion tours. Oh, yeah, yeah. We did the Sub Pop, um, was it like their 20th well, yeah, anniversary? Yeah, birthday party or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we did cross one more time. I did that, and we drove home the same day. What's with the States? I mean, it's, it's, um, it's kind of self-explanatory these days, but at the time, you're talking like 20 years, 20, yeah, yeah 25 years ago. Pre-9-11. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was it about? Uh, I know, it's, it is, I... You go down the, I, as soon as I cross the border into Buffalo or Detroit, like it's a for me, it's a visceral difference. Like I, I it's yeah. pretty much the same. I was probably overreacting. I think we played, we were playing a couple more scarier kind of neighborhoods, clubs, you know, mm-hmm. like in Washington and different places that were getting me just too stressed out for no reason. Like it was just my own self, and I just. I was newly with Tara and yeah. and uh, Julie and I were apart now and I felt like Eric's trip wasn't exciting anymore like we were we were probably the tightest we ever were because we were just going through the motions by that point. Yeah. So I was like I want to do something you know new and and exciting and I don't want to be on the, in this van with with these they're still my friends but you know I, I understand. I liked being with I like being having partners in a band with me you know like whether it was Julie and and in an elevator, it was like me, Mark, and Tara were like this really tight yeah. unit of three. Like Mark was my best friend, Tara was my best friend. 
Right. And obviously you and Julie have, uh, I think anyway, as far as I know, a very profound relationship. But when you've broken up with someone and you mm-hmm. have to see them all the time, that cannot be easy. I mean, yeah, it was it was a little weird. Like we were still, we were still being pretty close. But uh, I don't know. I just didn't want to. I just felt like I wanted my interest was all in working on Elevator now. Yeah, and, yeah. And I was in, in the States being uh, fearful you know, of, of being down there on this last Eric trip tour. And, right. And I just uh, overreacted and wanted to drive home and got everyone mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's uh, you were young and uh, that was a very complicated yeah. time for sure. I mean, and I'm always I've always been very, you know, I'll just do what I need to do. Kind of like passionate. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I used the word control earlier, but I think it is a, a these things you do out of a passion, and if you're not feeling it anymore, you don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it, the other guys in the band didn't seem to mind. I mean, Mark because he was going to be an elevator anyway. Yeah. Chris didn't seem like he did, but I knew I kind of left him high and you know left him hanging a bit. Yeah, he had moon socket going on, like he had his own yeah, kind of thing. But going I think on. more than anyone, he really missed you know being in a in Eric's trip. <laughs> well, I've I don't know if I've talked to you about this, but at that purple blue tour stop in Kitchener Chris mm. destroyed his bass he destroyed oh, yeah. his amp and I have a chunk of his somewhere in my parents house I was a, I, you know I was like what the hell was that and I I have the Ampeg oh, yeah. decal or whatever you call it right I have yeah. it and my it's broken and I but I was like what I don't yeah. know I mean I, it he's seemed like a, it was already he was pretty, always a mystery a bit Chris like he yeah. never really knew what he was thinking but he would release you know he would release it when he needed to right Anyway, I don't mean to go back down uh, dark roads. Julie stayed mad at me, though, for quite a few years. Right. We took us till the 2001, I think, to make up really good. And that's when you started making records together again. Well, no, a few years later, I guess. Well, we did that first Eric's Trip reunion tour. Oh, yeah, right. Because we wanted to make up for the one we got rid of in 96 or skipped. Right. I saw you guys at Sappy Fest, I believe, and that was great. Uh, But, you know, there's always clamoring for bands like that to come back. Have you, you... We'll get to this. I, <laughs> I want to talk about your supposed hermiting in a moment. <laughs> yeah. But uh, do you miss Eric's trip? Like, do you miss doing that in any way? Is it something you want to do again? It's not really something I want to do nowadays because I just feel like it's not, it's not in me anymore. And I'm sure, I'm sure the other guys would would want to do it. You know, and yeah. every couple of years I get calls from you know, Peter Rowan or our yep. old manager yep, yep. <laughs> about, you know, God, can you guys please get together? We're making all these offers, you know, and like, I just don't want to, it just seems like something you do when you, especially Eric's trip. Uh, it just seems so young, youthful, like the songs, Absolutely. all the lyrics are about, you know, stuff we wrote about when we were 19 and 20 years old. And it would, it's just, and we're just, I don't know, just too, you need that energy. Like, I don't really want to recreate energetic music. You guys would, uh, in your songs, express pain and, and joy and love for each other. And I always wondered, when you do that, if you, when you have to do it again, like if you're in a position where you're like, your manager's like, you got to do this, <laughs> we're yeah. going to make millions of dollars or whatever yeah, they right. say to them people. Like that's, every time you sing one of those songs, aren't you brought back to that original kind emotion? Of, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, but it's more, I guess, just about, just not feeling like it's a it's appropriate anymore. Like I'm going, I'm, I'm acting or something. Yeah, you know, I'm just yeah, going yeah. through these motions. And you, I think, like we said earlier, I think you have a particular penchant for the authentic. Like you want your shit to be real. Yeah, and, I mean, and, and true. I, I feel mean, like I've put out so much truth in my records. Yeah, since, yeah, since yeah. especially. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so uh, okay, so that touring thing 
But well, you but you did tour with Elevator. Like you did end up doing shows. Oh with yeah, Elevator. we I think we ended up we played more Elevator show concerts than we ever did with Eric's trip. Yeah, and weird. Like I saw you guys play like a house in a basement in Kitchener. And oh yeah, opening <laughs> for Sloan and a bunch of times I think maybe. And yeah, we used to do a couple of tours across Canada almost every year. Yeah, you like, you are actually one of the first people I uh, I when I went to the University of Guelph, you guys played a show at the Albion. Oh yeah, and I interviewed Ian Blurton for a thing, and I interviewed you for a thing, and that's the first two real proper like for a print piece interviews I oh, ever cool. did in my life cool so like it's meaningful to me to to get to talk to you at any point frankly and and yeah you were pretty forthcoming and and why did elevator kind of slow down or stop was that because of the touring in some ways yeah and and and, and me getting yeah getting a little bit burnt you know burnt out on touring and stuff and uh, ter- I don't know this is not really private information but Tara <laughs> and Mark started fighting Right. They didn't get along very good at the end. And I I remember I was just like constantly trying to be that middle person to like to um, soften everything Tara says before Mark to Mark and back back to Tara. Right. Opinionated people, everyone. Yeah, for sure. And very, both very like quite the characters, you know. (laughs) Yes, yes. I remember that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you had some volatility there. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't too bad, but I just kind of got sick of that uh, in a way. And of course. Plus, plus, Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I didn't live, I, we were living in Toronto when that happened because this was around 2003 or four. I think it was in the spring of 2004 we did our last tour. Yeah. And um, we were, you know, we were in Toronto. I didn't see Mark as much anymore, so we, we weren't as close of... Is Mark still in Moncton? Yeah, yeah. He's always been in Moncton. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's he up to these days? Do you I'm know? still working at the record store. Playing, still? Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> playing in some, uh, I'm not sure what bands he's in right now, but he always has like his old Purple Night band going with him and ralph yeah 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 <laughs> pretty eccentric kind yeah, of band and yeah, i think yeah. he plays in another kind of kind of metal band for right now just for fun one of the most uh profound influences on me as a drummer is mark Gade. like i just I, yeah, yeah a I just lot love, of people like i, think, I love playing like his just even on like woke myself up it was i knew like the second <laughs> i played it like yeah. this is a sorry that's a julie doran song that you worked on yeah yeah and, well he was just the most original person in moncton like, yeah. at the time when we were just young and we were just like we saw him play at the, you know, in the early 91 or whenever he joined Eric's trip. Yeah. We were just like, maybe let's ask that older guy, you know, because he was like he's, eight years older than right, me. Right, right. <laughs> and at the time when you're 20, you know, he's like, that's quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was an adult. Yeah, He was a sure. full-on adult. And he... And a nut, you know, so we were like, <laughs> oh, but he's such a good drummer. Let's see if he wants to play with us. What and was the name? Of, what's the name of the record store? 
it used to be Sam the Record Right, man. it was now Sam. It's, uh, now it's Frank's. Frank's okay, Fra- Frank's. It went yeah. from Sam to Frank. Okay, so yeah, like that's, and he was been doing that, what, since the 70s or 80s or something? Oh, yeah, like that? yeah, yeah. He yeah. had a punk band in like 74 or 6 or something. Like, right. There's film footage of him just as like this little kid with sock feet smashing the drums, <laughs> like playing the drums. <laughs> like he's just, he's the real thing. <laughs> he is, absolutely. So, okay, well, I mean, yeah, that explains sort of Elevator. Then, But, uh, s- but he stuck out in the grunge era too. You know, we were, and Eric Strip was touring like, Everyone had those big grunge drum sets, you know, and stuff. And yeah. he had this little jazz slingerland set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think it, right from the first time anyone saw him, people were like, "Wow, like he's fun to watch." He's like animal a little bit, like just a ferocious, <laughs> but like yeah, yeah, quick wrists, like yeah. lots of jazzy, more jazzy influence, which a lot of people in the grunge era didn't have. Right. So it was nice. And you had him playing almost hardcore beats uh, in <laughs> yeah. some ways, right? Yeah, yeah, with wild fills that he would add. Just you know? amazing fills. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It reminds me actually. Do you remember Gary Young from Pavement, the first drummer? Oh yeah, like because he had that same, same era, like more of a bit of a jazzy background, you know. Like just the fills were not usual. Yeah, like just suddenly you'd have these big cool fills, and I. Oh, I love that. Yeah, those two guys. I learned how to play drums from Mark. From too. Mark, like, it's a lot of the same influence, you know. Like it's because when I go to play, I hear what would I hear what Mark would do in my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you would basically do most of everything in Eric's trip on some level like they were kind of your con- a lot of the songs and the way they came off were your conception um, yeah and I think I was just that was just because I had so much coming out of me I think compared to the other guys you know that right right when and when Chris would come up with stuff too he, he would just put it more to his side project because I think right, he right, knew right. I was just coming up with so much for you're prolific yeah yeah so was that a similar uh, approach in elevator or was that more democratic so to speak like did other people have more input in no elevator, elevator was even less i think because elevator was mark and Terrell were more just like behind me more. right right where that eric, was you eric strip i more felt like i should give chris and julie more opportunity for their songs like i didn't want to hog it all too much because right to me being the songwriter on an album isn't it's not like you're doing all the work it's more like it's the fun part, really. right? Right. Because I, I, mean, I wrote every song for Eric's trip, pretty much, but I also shared, you know, the royalties all, twenty five percent. It was a band, each. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a real band. Because I realized they're doing all the as much hard work as I am. I'm yeah. just having the fun part, you know. Right. So, mm-hmm. what, what about the transition from Elevator to what? I mean, it's been called a Rick White album. It's been called. Oh, yeah. what, how many names have you had for your solo endeavors? <laughs> I can't remember. Is well, that? the Elevator changed quite a bit because we we're. It was like a concept thing. We were trying to go from elevator to hell to through yeah, through hell, and then Sub elevator. Didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's bad now when you try to find it on iTunes or in record stores because everything, every album has a different band name. There's right? a few. There's at least one new band called Elevator now. I oh, think yeah. they spell it with two L's. Yeah, they and, put uh, the yeah. two L's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's like stuff going on. Brian right. was making fun of them pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get them, trying to hassle them enough that they would change it, but they just they went. With I it. think they'd actually that's a ch- name change in itself. They had a different name and they changed it to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, my point is, uh, yeah. So Rick White, uh, as yourself, you've had a few different names. Yeah. Well, I called Rick White album for just the um, those that trilogy sort of of albums I did through the two yeah. thousands. What were they called again? What was Memory? Rick, Reaper? Al- Rick White album was the first, right. and a, just and then Memory Reaper and one three seven. One three seven. What is 137? What is the significance of that? It has a lot of sort of scientific kind of oh. and biblical and different. It has a lot of different mathematical reasons. I think that's why it was just a very openly symbolic number. I think that people could look up. Okay. I don't know much about I know it's we mostly are. mostly like a prime numbers kind of math. 
math sort oh. of thing for physicists. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's mainly why I took it. But it all but also over the years I've found out it has religious kind of things too, like numerology and oh, okay. different stuff like that. So you put out this trilogy and did you play many shows in support of any of that? No, just a few yeah. just solo sets. Solo kinda. sets. Okay. I, I played that show you're talking about with the Blue Fog yeah. show with a uh, hundred dollars as my band. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, I was at that. And I think we did a set in Sappy, too, with them right. playing behind me, too. But that was pretty much the only shows I did for, for those records. And are those kind of... that's was that, Is that the gist of uh, the Rick White album sort of arc? Yeah. The, those three records? Yeah. And the last one came out in 2000? 2009. Right. And then, I, and then I did some like some other work for other records of like producing. You produced like, like $100 and... Yeah, $100 and like um, Super Fantastics, this band from Halifax. I did a bit of work with Hot Kid. Right, right, right. And then I did Julie's So Many Days record right. and then I, then I decided to stop for a while. So this brings us finally <laughs> <laughs> to the Hermitage, like why we're here. Uh, well, not why we're here. This is obviously beautiful. Anyone would want to live here and you're, it's beautiful. But um, why have you... I don't want to call you a recluse because you're sitting right in front of me and I'm, I'm with you here, but um, you did kind of... You're the first person I've seen me that's visited me probably in years. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Now, so is that that must be purposeful. Why have you kind of, you know, retreated yeah, into I don't the know. background? Uh, what do you want know. to say about it? I mean, <laughs> you're, people, I will say, I'll just tell you, Rick, so every once in a while in a blue moon, I'll say, hey, who, to the people listening or whatever, who do you want on the show? Your name comes up every time. Oh, yeah? People want to know what you're up to and, and what you're doing and all that stuff. And I I do too. I mean, you know this. I've asked you over the years to, to talk or whatever or right. to do things. So it's it's a, obviously a show of genuine love. We miss you. And I, I and I really, I always appreciate that, which yeah. is why I kind of still share stuff, you know, on online or I, I do comments on Facebook or something. You know, right, I take, right. I try to at least still be a part of... That's right. You're not that reclusive. Like, I know well, what I you're Well, I try to still be, to. A, yeah, yeah. I try to not lose complete contact with everybody, you know, even though I don't physically like to to go really anywhere anymore. Well, is any of this a... I can't tell, because among the things you've been doing beyond the stuff you just said is you have been tending to your archives. You've been finding old video footage and, and audio the stuff. You're, yeah. You're trying... You don't seem disenchanted with music at least from your past, but are yeah. you somewhat disenchanted? I with was for a while, like through yeah. over the last 10 years uh, after, I, like I said, after I did that Julie record, I, I sort of just, I wasn't able to make my own music anymore. I feel like I was questioning it too much or I was coming up with like, nothing was really inspiring me. And mm. and that's what I said when I started making physical art through those little trucks and things. Yeah, again, I have to see these trucks. I'm <laughs> and sorry, driving them around, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was giving me a different kind of satisfaction of creation because it was so mechanical and more like I just could make these things and I didn't have to analyze them like you would poetry or a song, sure, you know, sure, sure. which can go anywhere. Like you could, If you think too much about making music, like music has to really, music has to just come out of me, no problem, I think, to be good. And for a while, I was thinking too much about it, maybe at the end, mm. like trying to think, like, what should I do to be better, you know, make it cooler. But it wasn't coming out just naturally anymore, so... Um, do, you, do you, that cooler thing that you just said, is that so that it would resonate with the people who are going well, to listen to it? just like, what should you do, what should I do next? Like, how can I move, how can I move on to, what, what do I want to do, you know, and... Like, do you see a huge distinction between, I know we've talked about your evolution and, and how you started, but... It could be said that the aesthetic that you've started with is kind of always 
been the same. Like you haven't yeah. made a trip hop record. No, you it's true. Exactly. You kind of knew yourself at some point, and that's the kind of music you make. But um, I mean, it's different. I don't, I, I don't like talking. I'm not saying uh, when I bring up acid, my acid era. Sure, sure. In the late '90s, when I, I did it quite a bit for about a year and a half. Yeah. But it really changed my perspective on creation because it it it, it made me connect to a, a way to create unconsciously in mm. a way. Like I could just. I don't know, like when I paint, I could look at a blank canvas and see it and then just trace it. Right, right, right. Like, right. And it was like that with music. Like I would just go into a songwriting without any idea of what I was going to make. I would just sit there, play a guitar track, add some lyrics, <laughs> and I'd come up with these really neat songs, you know, sometimes. The best the best ones would be the ones that would come out the easiest. The but then that just sort yeah. of stopped eventually, you know. Kind that, of. You didn't have that. Well... I think I just maybe got bored of it in a way, like, or I wanted to try something new with my, like, am I just a songwriter? You know, like, I want to make other stuff. And uh, plus, making psychedelic records only is appealing to a certain small percentage of people. Right. And I think when I started making these these truck videos, these little model truck videos, I was getting across to every, like, all kinds of people, like old people, kids. I haven't, so like I say, I, I, I haven't, <laughs> I'll, I, yeah, I'll, I want to see the videos too, it. actually, to be honest, but like, are but they? But it was just refreshing to like have a, this audience who was like all kinds of people, like all of a sudden I was just, and they were getting such pleasure in watching these childlike sure. little cool videos with cats in them, like I was making pretty cute videos. So that's great. That's <laughs> awesome. I know you're a cat guy. I'm a cat guy, but that, you use the word psychedelic and I know that has different connotations for different people yeah. and obviously it might even have a, uh, an acid or a drug connotation, but is there anything about those truck videos and those ki- the well they're very ki- psychedelic are they too. psychedelic yeah, okay in a way you know because they're they're like these little trucks going through these mini trails in the woods you know yeah like your Sadie's artwork like your album artwork everything like the drum what do you call that stuff when you when you used to draw the stuff for Belitsky's uh, drum kit oh uh, yeah, yeah 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 like yeah. the drawings you know they're drawings I guess the, <laughs> yeah. the artwork that you've done always had that kind of whatever again I'm, I'm using the term psychedelic and whatever term wh- whatever people's understanding of that term is it's fine but it had that kind of vibe so that is part of you like are you still like is acid still a part of your aesthetic or? uh well i haven't i haven't done it since right. 99 or 2000 right but there's <laughs> but, something um, about that it stays with you for sure like right. you, that but i think it's even without doing acid it's just my mindset from when i was a kid even you know i've always been yeah. a, a dreamy sort of creative type you know and so once i found pot or yeah, yeah, or yeah. acid it, it just really was like oh this is this goes right along with what you're into you know like, <laughs> oh you like seeing things all colorful and neat you know like, yeah, so yeah. it was always more which is what always kept me away from hard drugs and bad right. drugs you know right 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 so are you still like i mentioned some of the work you've done for the sadies mm-hmm. are you called upon to do artwork for people sometimes i mean a few for like last five years or so i started doing cat like pet portraits yes they're beautiful yeah yeah, yeah. Which, which I is, see them which on, got I me a little more Facebook, into yeah. into painting because I feel like when I was younger too I would paint just quick and fast you know but with with those I started more concentrating on you know making you know really detailed little paintings so that that was good for my brain I think for a while have you thought about doing like prints of those things yeah well, we've, we've flirted with it we just never I don't know how that works to do it I yeah. know it's like <laughs> you gotta gotta get them made mass producing there's one of art. our cat Curtis playing the drums 
they're amazing. Like I, a lot of people have wanted a copy of that yeah, one because yeah. So hopefully, eventually we'll You're, do that. You know, I, I I gather that even in your supposed um, <laughs> you know Howard Hughes phase that people think you're in, where you're kind of you know secluded. I I feel like you you like you say you're really outgoing in that level on social media. Like that seems to be a, a landscape yeah. that you you like. Yeah, it's fun. I think it's just I think I just um, uh, I just don't like really being. I think it's like it's like a safety of your home thing like yeah. where you just feel like well this is where everything is and if you don't feel good like here's your bed here's your bathroom <laughs> here's, you know, like it just it's like some kind of anxiety about being out and away from my safe zone or something well you mentioned Brian but usually you, once I'm out yeah. it mellows out and I'm okay it's just yeah. getting it's just leaving yeah, yeah. You meant like you you live here with Brian, who uh, I don't want to um, say anything that makes him uncomfortable, but <laughs> he his presence on social media is pretty uh, upset with humanity. I would describe it <laughs> like I mean, there's a lot of fun but stuff. But it's all jokey. Like, it's in all a way, jokes. He, like he, likes... he works in a record store, uh, yeah. and and he has to deal with the clientele. But I know he. Anytime I post anything about driving and being frustrated <laughs> with other people, he's like, right? He's like, yes, like, oh yeah, I can't handle this, and and so I get to hear his calls on his drive home every. He <laughs> calls and he's just yelling at people. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> so that the humanity is difficult. I'm oh, all I'm sure. getting at. Like you're not incorrect in saying, yeah, it's hard <laughs> to be out there among people. Yeah, but some of us uh, can deal with it a bit better than others, I suppose. Anyway, it yeah, is what no, it is. and I and I, I would like to get back to it. It's just it feels like it's hard habits to break. You know? Absolutely, yeah. No, I, I hear you. Well, so uh, especially you, when you have this beautiful place to just be. It's gorgeous. <laughs> I don't even see why you'd ever leave here. If, if you can do trucks and make your art <laughs> and make music whenever you yeah. want, like why would you leave? I know it makes sense. Uh, I recently uh, purchased through uh, the mail uh, your new record, oh, yes. uh, Rick White and Einsoff. Um, is where in your trajectory have you re- and and then I also got some Eric's Trip Rarities record that I oh, right, didn't yeah. know existed the until old, the old the bootleg one. Yeah, yeah I didn't know about that so I got to that up for for a, one of our reunion tours I think in 2007 or something or and you found a box of them or something is that what you yeah there was another box here we just had to make a few more covers for right, it. Like right, right. We, we found a box of vinyls that were like might as well get, let's make these available again for a bit and we sold them out pretty quick <laughs> yeah people are interested yeah and then i only i try to stay off social media more these days but i saw i happened to see your instagram or right. facebook post about it so um all this to say uh we mentioned the the rick white album trilogy and you said you started to slow down with music generally in 2009 mm-hmm. is this record with einsoff the first expression of yours in some time is that well, right around that same time i did 137 i mixed I produced her record for her. She just kind of contacted me out of the blue and like said, would, would you be into mixing my record? She's and from it, Waterloo or something? Yeah. Or Kitchener or something? And I, yeah. I didn't really know her. I knew her because she t- she did play with uh, Kate Boothman and Tara a bit for in a band once in the early 2000s. They had like a... I can't remember what Priscilla's, it was called. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. She yeah. was in that for a little while and I mm-hmm. think I had met her maybe a couple times. But anyway, out of the blue, yeah, she got in touch with me to mix her record for her and... Uh, I just really liked the music. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. She was the most, one of the more creative and and beautifully voiced, you know, people I had I had mixed before. And uh, this is like ten years ago. Yeah, it would have been two thousand nine or ten. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, ever since, we've just stayed in touch on, uh, you know, chatting on Facebook and stuff, and gotten to really love each other. Yeah. You know, in a way of where we we have really you... understand each other because she's very like minded in a way, you know, very kind of creative far out person right <laughs> and uh i've only i've seen her perform i think twice and i got that yeah. impression yeah yeah, yeah yeah just really neat neat creative person and uh we just always 
talked about like I said well one day I'll, I'm gonna make some songs you know and then we'll do we'll make a record together like, oh yeah cool you know right just joking about it and uh, not joking but planning for the future but I just didn't do it for so many years and then I think last last fall all of a sudden I I was like I feel like recording something you know and I set up my Pro Tools machine again and we had it all set up and I started fiddling with a bit of recording and then I was like I'm gonna send Melissa this track you know because you did everything you, can, you yeah you I played think I had recorded yeah. most of the music and stuff and just said like can you can you add stuff to this track I want to you know see what it sounds like and uh, she added her vocal to it all and a bunch of neat synth stuff you know and and then all was I was just set like I now have all these ideas yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. for what I could do with with you, with you you know like you need a, you need a partner a little bit I mean we yeah, talked about it really how you, brought out that yeah and I would never tell her what to do like I would just I would send her the next track which would you know, just not be completely done but I would have a vocal and most of the bed tracks music and she would just add whatever she wanted and I would get it back and it'd be you know it'd be great and we'd mix I'd mix it and we just did it all back and forth through the uh, Google Drive you know like yeah, sending, sure, sure. sending files back and forth have you ever met you two we only met a couple of times oh you have met physical, okay yeah okay I wasn't. I'd heard that you hadn't even met, and then when you not uh, for this record, yeah, you didn't meet to to, to talk about. Okay, we to did work the whole the record, record just through uh, messages, file things. sharing. Yeah. Okay, it's called the opening. Yeah. What does that mean? Uh, to it's you. just the start and of a new cycle. You know, kind of like because uh, it ends the the song. The record ends with the same with the opening mm-hmm. song, like mm-hmm. back around again. You know, like and uh, like I said, we've started the record without a idea, but it, it just sort of. Um, I'm just always amazed how I think maybe it's like I said it's the way I make art by just subconsciously letting it come come out of me that uh, the whole record idea just worked out <laughs> like all of a sudden it was like holy shit I'm seeing now what we've created is this like cycle of an idea of of just coming back around and yeah yeah a new opening does it speak to your own sense of I don't mean to be an English student here but when <laughs> you call something the opening after being away for so long yeah does it suggest you're opening up to maybe being more creative and making music again yeah I think it was the opening to a new mindset kind of like a not even the same one I had before it was like a new form of music creation maybe okay that's promising to hear yeah. for us, like for people <laughs> who like you. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have ideas to do more too. I think yeah. you and Ein Soft. Yeah. Okay. Is that is that what you think is going to be your primary mode of musical expression at the moment? I don't know. I, I I toy with the idea of maybe playing some shows with her again one day. Oh, like great. Maybe next year. Oh, that's great. <laughs> but we're, we're, it's up in the air, of course. I never want to be def- definite plans. <sighs> Yeah, I'm I can. Th- I'm I, bad with com- commitment a bit because then I, I feel like I'm held to things, and but I got to get out of that mindset. So I am purposely, I am trying <laughs> to can change I, a bit. Can I ask you what do you, if you think about it, what did you like the most about performing? Because you mentioned the the rockiness towards the end of Eric's trip, but you also mentioned how much you toured with Elevator. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's aspects of performing that you and, and you've done a few other things. You like I think I'm trying to figure out if you like performing and when you talk about the tentative well, plans for next year like do you have a warm memory of uh, like is there any warmth in your memories of performing live or is it all stress and yeah. frustration <laughs> or whatever? I well no I I I liked playing the shows, you know. Um I didn't like the traveling part of it or, or like I still have I still wake up sometimes from those 
what I call tour dreams. Oh, really? But it's always like... It's traumatizing for you. I know. Yeah. But it's always like, where are we going to park the van? Mm-hmm. You know, we're worried about the vans somewhere. You know, it's always like those kind of weird dreams. It usually has nothing to do with the playing. Do you have any close calls on Eric's trip with stolen equipment or anything like that? No, we were very lucky. We got a van broken into once with elevator, but it was empty at the time. Oh, so good. we just got the window broken out. Right. But yeah, we were always... We always said good luck. <laughs> so there's no specific thing that has traumatized you. It's the fear. Yeah. I, you know, Rick, I have it too, and it's something I've had to confront. I, in my own way, I try to be a self-starter or, or try to do everything myself mm-hmm. the way you do as much as I can feel like I'm capable of doing. Yeah. And I've come to terms with the fact that it's a bit of control. Um, it's a controlling thing. I, I get anxious because I can't control everything. Mm-hmm. Do you? F- and you can do it all in your own time. You can just sort of... When you're making your own stuff, you know. But I think that what I, I guess what I'm saying is I discovered it about life. (laughs) Like what I'm like, oh, like the same way I feel the need to do all the stuff myself and not let, not rely on others or not be put in positions where I'm uncomfortable. That's, or or if I worry too much, like when I, my mom was sick, Mm -hmm. that's what someone, a psychologist told me. He's like, you're, you're, she said, you're worrying about stuff you can't control at mm-hmm. all and that's that's my problem with yeah you've got too. it too yeah. okay all right i don't know if that helps you that i <laughs> i can commiserate with what you're going through and i'm yeah. not trying this is not a therapy session <laughs> <laughs> no i know my anxiety is mostly to do with just the 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 normal things everyone goes through getting older you know like yeah, different yeah. body pains and weird shit happen in your bodies and yeah and it just it scares me because i'm still like that little kid you know we're all still that little kid inside yeah. who's just like oh what's happening right it is frustrating that our bodies decide they're going to break down at some point. I know, eh? You're just like, why? Why, why are you doing this? I'm fine. Like, I <laughs> the forties have been just one thing after the other. But I'm I hear the, that. I hear that from everybody. I'm this. I'm 41. I'm yeah. going through the same thing, and and uh, I'm dealing with it every day a little bit. Like, yeah. just like I don't mean to depress anyone, but it's true. You just, particularly for me, like when my mom got sick, that was like a weird. Oh, this is in our family. This could happen to me or my kids. Like it yeah. spiraling out of it's what is it called? I think it's called looping. You you yeah. loop the the problem yeah, and like you don't get out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, feedback. Yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds like <laughs> despite everything we were just talking about, you're in a pretty good spot. You're in a good place. Yeah, I think so. I mean, just trying to day to day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there more? You mentioned we mentioned the unintended thing coming out. Uh, any other surprises? Anything on your YouTube channels that we should look at? Hmm. I don't know. Brian and I are always flirting with putting the uh, putting out uh, old, some old stuff on vinyl. You now that we're making records and and we have you know there's at least a couple hundred people out there who like to buy the stuff we put out. <laughs> Blue, Blue Fog um, seemed to be pretty um, uh, prolific. Uh, maybe ten years ago, around yeah. the time of that review, we maybe just gave, just we just stopped doing stopped it. stopped doing it. But is it sort of back? Like yeah, it seems to be. Yeah, I like. I mean, I've been since I've gotten more into making music and stuff again like we were talking about performing a while ago and i wanted to say like i i do have problems with performing like sometimes when i watch other bands like the whole act of performing is is silly a bit to me (laughs) (laughs) you know like it's it's kind of show-offy you know yeah yeah, absolutely let's get on stage in front of a bunch of people and and over exaggerate our enthusiasm (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's true you know for people (laughs) and i just cringe when i watch most footage of bands which is silly because I used to do it too, you know. Well, the h- most hilarious thing for anyone to there's do footage it. of me shaking my hair around. And well, no, I'm th- I'm sure you were into it. Playing guitar solos. You didn't think you were? <laughs> did you think? Oh, you were putting that on? I just think well, that's, that's just it. At the time, you're just like the, you're just doing it. But I think now that I'm older and I watch it, I think it's silly, you know, to watch it. The funniest distinction is watching a band sound check 
and watching them play live. And really? the only experience I've seen it many, many times because of you know just having to be at places early. But I was really struck by, I once got to see a shellac sound check yeah. in Detroit and it was just as intense <laughs> yeah. as the show they put on a few hours later. Like it was yeah. just as in, like they were into it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I know. So, and you got to, and I have to remember that you are a performer. You're putting on a show. Absolutely. To yeah. make, to give a good show to people. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So that you've, yeah, it's not, I don't think you're overthinking things. They're, those are things <laughs> you have to think about as a musician, as a yeah. performer. So it's, yeah, it's a lot to think about. Okay. So, but there might be shows. And there might be more stuff. And <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd like to do some more stuff. And your Bandcamp page, where can people learn more about uh, that? It's Rick White Archive Okay. on Bandcamp. And uh, what is, else? Is there oh. a Blue Fog one or something? No, I was going to say, my, my, my main YouTube channel is just the RC Trucks. RC Trucks. <laughs> but it's uh, Headquake 137. Headquake 137 is the if name of it. If you want to watch crazy remote control <laughs> truck videos with cats. <laughs> well, I I appreciate this. I appreciate. I know that you uh, you know you called uh, one of your records, and I think even one of your maybe on Instagram your memo reaper, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That memory thing that you have as an archivist is fascinating to me. Like you are very invested in the act of remembering. Well, I think it's because I worry I'm not. I don't remember, so I'm always trying to like archive and keep stuff. Yeah, like Mark Gadet has more of a. He can just recall stuff so yeah. easy, and I find my memory is, is quite not good. Right. And some of my family members are, I hope I don't get it too, but they're going through that, you know, losing their memories with yeah. different things. Yeah. And so I, I hope by using that name, I'm not pre, <laughs> pre losing my memory too. But uh, but I do, that's I think why I like to keep track of it all and keep it all in one spot, you know. Yeah. I'm like, sorry, I'm, I'm distracted by the Blue Jay. That yeah. is eating. That's lovely. It's a beautiful blue jay eating your bird seed. There. Yeah, they're kind of bullies though. Those guys. Yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> I've heard that actually. Yeah. yeah Although yeah. he throws all the seed, half the seeds on the ground, but then the chipmunks get them, so that's nice. Do you recognize this blue jay? You said he like you, you see the same one all the time. Is that pro That's not yeah, possible. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you get, <laughs> you the, gotta tag you get it. some cardinals too, and a lot of these little guys. Cardinals are nice. Yeah, they're not the and they're always in a couple. It's always like this. Oh, that's guy sweet. The, the, the couple. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, distracted. Yeah, I think you're right about memory Nature. stuff, and yeah, it's it is what it is. But I appreciate that you. Uh, I'm an archivist of some kind too, and I appreciate that you you do that. Um, yeah, it's good. We have to remember all the stuff we made in our past too, you know, and think good of it. Yeah, I think so too. And you learn from it, like yeah. you said. You actually learn from oh yeah wh where you came from. God, going through all those old dat tapes I did a few months last month or whatever was like. I was hearing because I I recorded so many songs like I would record at least you know one or two songs a day yeah yeah sometimes through the nineties and no memory of them whatsoever so when I'm listening to a lot of these dats uh, I'm hearing songs that are like like wow what, you know I've never heard this song before there's a reason it's called it's great there's a reason it's called recording like you're actually <laughs> recording something and capturing yeah. something that you're gonna revisit at some point no, right? I know. it's record keeping and like some of the songs were put on an, an album and I do remember them where yeah. the next song on it. Is just as good, but it wasn't, you know, wasn't ever on an album. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, is the uh, record you made with Einsoff available digitally? Is it on? Uh, yeah, it's on Bandcamp now. Oh, and we also finally got that on all the different streaming stuff. Is so it on Apple? And I think it's and on and Spotify all and all that stuff. I think okay. it is now. Yeah. Okay, cool. Is there a song from maybe that that we could go out on? Is there something hmm. you would pick? Hmm. Anything that comes to mind? Maybe the song "Oh Where." It's a song on side two that. Uh, Melissa and I both one of our favorites. It's kind of about a lot of the record is about our relationship too, the way we made the record. Yeah, yeah. So far apart from each other, so it's like it's like some kind of ghost love, you know, like we're like we're 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 making this 
neat record together, but do we even really both exist? Yeah, <laughs> you know, we're right. just making this cool. Right. It was a neat process for sure. Okay, let's hear that. This is Aware by uh, Rick White and Ein Sof from the new album, The Opening. And uh, Rick, I I hope I've conveyed to you how meaningful it is that you you had me over. And, uh, and thanks, man. I really appreciate this talk, and I wish you the best luck with everything. Uh, thank you. You too. <laughs>
Wow, very special thanks to Rick White for appearing on this, the 500th episode of Creative Control. This is meaningful to me. Thank you for listening to this podcast and this episode of this podcast, which is part of the E1 Podcast Network and is available on all iOS and Android platforms and all sorts of other things too. YouTube, Spotify, Audio Boom. It's all over the place. If you can't find an episode that you're looking for on any of those things or you want to learn more about me, sign up for my semi-regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at vishcreative or follow me at vishkana. Listen to a radio show version of Creative Control on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time around the world at cfru.ca or on an actual radio at 93.3 FM if you're in or near Guelph. Also visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. Thanks again to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks as always to my friend Jim Guthrie for supplying me with a song to play while I'm saying stuff like this. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this episode with Rick White. I hope you learned things about Rick. And uh, thanks for listening to the show and telling your friends to listen to the show and subscribing to the podcast and all those sorts of things. It means a lot. And uh, yeah, here's to 500 more somehow. <laughs> I have uh, I probably shouldn't be the one saying that. We'll see. We'll see. We'll keep going, though. Thank you. I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.